This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Ahmed Prakash. Today we have on an amazing guest, um, the Honorable Patrick J. Murphy, who is the former Pennsylvania congressman. Um, he's a veteran and uh, undersecretary of the Army. Yeah, I mean, he's that's just a short version of his Very resume. short. So, so we're going to, I mean, we're going to learn a lot from him. Yeah, it's a big deal for us. So yeah. we're going to go a little long, but you're going to learn a lot. I promise you. Let's do it. Let's go. We're very excited to have on today um, the Honorable Patrick Murphy. Um, he's an Army veteran, the first Iraq War vet who was in Congress representing Pennsylvania's 8th District from 2007 to 2011. And then he was Undersecretary of the Army, uh, ended his role there in January 2017. That's an interesting date though, to end right there, and so it seems like a coincidence. Um, so anyway, um, we're really psyched to have you on. Um, we've got a ton of questions and I think Tony's going to start us off with a couple, um, and then I'll jump in as well. So thanks so much for coming on. Oh, yeah. uh, Tony, thank you. I'm pumped. Yeah, we are too. Uh, we'll get to the Eagles and the Sixers later. <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about there. Um, you know, just so our audience knows, um, we actually met Patrick through Ryan Patassi, who is a very good friend of mine who has been on the podcast, um, before, um, army ranger, uh, career military guy and and probably our biggest fan <laughs> um so kind of using that as a segue um who knows what's going to happen this next election i mean we all have an idea we you know if anybody thinks this is over or biden has it or trump has it they're you know they clearly weren't paying attention last time um i think I've made the call. I believe Biden's going to pull this off. But, you know, Trump is a counterpuncher and he's very good at it. And after the RNC, I'm slightly insecure about that. Um, but the big fear a lot of people have, and I I, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, played up by the media, played up by um, the, the powers to be. But there's this big fear that if Trump loses, he's not going to leave. Um, and I, I think it's slightly rational just because he seems kind of nuts. Um, but what role does the military play in a scenario like that in this country? And, and if not the military, whose job is it <laughs> to remove somebody that lost that won't leave? Well, hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully. In the sense that, you know, but every every person in the military and every person in the White House, frankly, takes an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Uh, they don't take an oath to a certain president uh, or to a political leader. It's in the Constitution and it lays out. Uh, it's Congress decides that one person, uh, whether it's the current occupant in the White House who said, well, maybe we'll delay elections. No, that's why we have, you know, what I taught at West Point, checks and balances. It's like rocks, paper, scissors executive branch, legislative branch, judicial branch. One is not more powerful than the other. Uh, and so uh, even if you decree that most military officers and most folks uh, in political public service recognize, you can't unilaterally not acknowledge an election that just happened. So there's a process in place. And whether or not we know on the exact day of election day in November or a week or two afterwards, we got to get it right. Uh, and uh, with mail-in vote voting, you know, we went from about 
25 million folks who voted by mail, uh, about one in four Americans to now it's going to be two in four or 50%. So, and if not over, so uh, a lot of things going on there, uh, but we've had mail on voting, not, not to go on a tangent here, but since the Pony Express. And in fact, when I ran the army for President Obama uh, in 2016, the last presidential election, uh, we had over 600,000 overseas troops and civilians who voted by mail, effectively, securely, and that's why I stand strong and shoulder to shoulder with another combat veteran, uh, former Republican Tom Ridge, who was the governor of Pennsylvania, who was the President Bush's first Homeland Security Secretary, uh, arguing for what's called uh, vote safe, saying it is safe and secure to vote by mail. Let's get on with it. Great. Um, you are you did serve Congress in Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania. Um, um, I was born in Philly. Amit lived in Philly for yeah a lot of his like, childhood. Yep. In West the Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Me and the Fresh Prince. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know Pennsylvania is one of those weird places, specifically Philly. I mean, if you're even if you're born in Philly, I didn't I didn't grow up in the city by any means. I was from Bucks County and then Prince of New Jersey. So. But you are from Philly if you're born there. It's one of those weird, weird things. Um, why is Pennsylvania a place that's just, you know, Republican one round, Democrat the next round? Like, what's going on there? I mean, you've experienced that in your own career. Like, and what Amit and I always say, and I, I know you're familiar with Bucks County. We always say, because, you know, my mom's one of 15. I've got 70 first cousins. And they, they are, you know, some successful some literal criminals. Um, and usually what that pocket right there in that Levittown, Bristol, Philly area, wherever we feel like they're going typically is where <laughs> the election goes. It's quite a bellwether. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, you know, that was the Obama two times and the, and the hard, hardcore Trumpers. It was the weirdest thing in the world. Um, and I can't tell right now, you know, half of them are really over Trump and the other are like the triple down, you know, Ironically, most of them are fel felons that can't vote, but they're like, you know, Trump flags in the backyard. Um, what is it about Pennsylvania that it can just swing either way? Well, a couple of things. One, Pennsylvania and Bucks County specifically, I mean, it's the microcosm of America. I mean, you have in Pennsylvania, 12 million people. You have Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, so you have metropolitan areas and the suburbs of both those cities. But then you have rural farmland. Then you have... Uh, places where you have the National Farm School, which happens to be in Doolstown, Pennsylvania, and Hershey, Pennsylvania, where it's the sweetest place on earth. So, um, you know, it, it is really America. Uh, you have farmers and executives uh, all within an hour from each other. And right. so, uh, and then Bucks County is is really in play because you have folks live in Bucks County, as you mentioned, it's a northern suburb. Uh, it is a, you know, Democrat and Republican area. It's super purple. You know, when I ran for Congress, uh, frankly, I just came back from Iraq. You know, I had lost 19 men in my unit. I, I was passionate about ending the war in Iraq uh, and focusing on bin Laden and bringing him to justice for murdering thousands of innocent Americans, including friends of mine. And, um, you know, I ran for Congress. I had like $322 in my bank account. I mean, I'm still paying my college loans off. Like, so I'm running and people are like, what are you doing, Patrick? Why would you like, you know, you're a professor at West Point. And you, you earned a bronze star in Iraq. And they your first race, you're running for the U.S. Congress, and there's 600,000 elected positions in America. There's only 535 in the federal. Like, why would you like? And I said, well, listen, I'm doing this because I lost 19 men, and 
And they're like, well, but Bucks County, there's like four state senators. They're all Republican. Eight of your 10 state reps are Republican. And in fact, when I ran the two Democrat state reps, so again, only two of the 10 were Democrats. The one Democrat endorsed my Republican opponent and the other one stayed neutral. So like I was literally uh, the lone survivor, uh, but we won by 0.6%, even though we were outspent by over $3 million. Uh, and then I'm in Congress and to be honest with you, I was like, I don't know if this is a two-year gig or a 20-year gig. I mean, it's two years you win, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm only the third Democrat in 200 years. So like, this might be a two-year gig. So I'm like, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to work my ass off for these folks, the 700,000 folks I represented. And so a few months in, um, you know, we had a vote on the Iraq war and I ran on that issue. And I stood there with then Senator Obama, you know, we wrote a bill, what's called the Iraq De-Escalation Act. It was about bringing the troops home in a responsible manner and et cetera. It passed, President Bush vetoed it. Then a blank check bill came up and I'm like, listen, I can't vote for this. And a lot of folks that I knew that had gray hair and they're like, Patrick, listen, you're 33, you're a freshman congressman. This is part of the gig. You cannot vote against war funding, even if it's with a blank check, because if you vote against it, this is the campaign commercial. And they're like, you can't, you won by 0.6%, like 1,518 votes at the quarter million cast. And I'm like, I know, but guess what? That's the problem. People will like basically do anything, just get reelected. And I was like, you know, I, I'm I'm a Catholic guy. I'm not overly religious. Like, you know, meaning I'm, I'm, I am a devout Catholic, but again, I look at it like I have to be Catholic. I don't care what anyone else is or agnostic or atheist, et cetera. But I was like, but for me, Judgment Day is more important than Election Day. Mm-hmm. And I voted against that blank check. A couple months later, I then endorsed then Senator Barack Obama. And he was down like 40 points that then Senator Clinton, Hillary Clinton. And I remember being like, I'm not positive this guy is going to win, but I played basketball with him. He's super smart. He's like a good person. And he has political courage. He was against you know, the Iraq war. He was not for... He was for timeline when timelines at this point were not cool. Uh, and I was like, listen, I ran for Congress because I lost 19 paratroopers from the 82nd Airborne Division. Like, I'm not going to compromise my principles. What I know firsthand is right. Um, so, you know, I, I I happened to win re-election and, and it all worked out. And he happened to win his election to be president. But, uh, you know, I think you want from both parties more folks that, that look in the mirror and are willing to hold themselves accountable on what they know is right for the country. Yeah, I mean, you, you see a lot of the, from both sides of the aisle, but when you get a, a president like we have right now who seems to be willing to use anything um, as a as a weapon, and and I, I'm I'm always waiting. You know, we, we do this thing on the podcast, we'll get to later, where we do party favors, where we just give you, we give advice to the people that running everything. And I have constantly said to the Republicans, where is your where is your next person that's stepping up and going against this guy? Like, like, why are you so afraid of him? I mean, to, to your point, if, if you're going to lose an election because you're doing the right thing, then that's fine. Like you, you can make a comeback off of that, but to go down with potentially this ship, good luck recovering from that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I give a lot of credit for people like Mitt Romney voted for the impeachment of president Trump um, during the recent protesting you know, walked with protesters. He's like, listen, my father was a governor of Michigan. He walked during the civil rights movement. I'm holding myself accountable as a U.S. Senator from Utah now to make sure I'm doing the same thing. Uh, and, I, it, you know, it takes a lot of 
lot of political courage. And you see that in a lot of veteran candidates. Uh, you saw that in John McCain in spades. You saw that in President John F. Kennedy. You, you saw it in so many great uh, Americans, President Eisenhower and others who did what was right. And that's why I'm passionate about, you know, right now, especially we have the least amount of veterans serving in Congress in American history that we need more. And uh, I, I mentor and help and support a lot of these, the next the next generation of military leaders, ones that are in now and one the next next wave of veterans. Uh, they call me the OG. Because uh, <laughs> uh, I was at first, as you mentioned, the first and only Iraq vet when I was first there. But we got some more. We need even more now. What do you think uh, veterans bring to the table in terms of formal politics that people who don't have that experience can't? Well, first off, I, I, I don't think it's a prerequisite in any means, but I do right, right. believe that veterans are more than willing to put the country first uh, and kind of get it. I mean, listen, the first two biggest federal agencies are Department of Defense and the VA. And so like to have firsthand knowledge and you know, and I was on the Armed Services Committee and the Appropriations Committee and the Intelligence Committee. And, you know, a few years into it, I remember I had a member of Congress ask me, like, hey, Patrick, how many is in a brigade again? Now, listen, I'm Antonio. You probably don't know how many is in a brigade. But, like, if you're on the, like, substantive committee of, like, the military, you kind of should know that, like, in week one. Like, <laughs> right. and it's 3,500, roughly. Like, right? But, like, it's like, it's like three brigades in division. There's 10,000 division. There's, like, you know, 32 divisions in the Army. Like, Learn to service. Like you kind of, kind of have to know what the numbers are. It's like, so, so they have that one firsthand experience. Two, they put the country first. They do have political courage. Um, they're not going to just do what's right. And third, I do think, you know, it is a different culture uh, in that um, most folks, you know, there's again six hundred thousand elected positions. They most folks make it to Congress. The average age of a freshman is in their fifties. You know, they've been a state rep or state senator or a mayor, and, and that's like the pinnacle of their career. And, and again, that's awesome in political public service. Veterans, though, frankly, are, are more, you know, they don't have the fundraising base. They, they haven't hung out in country clubs with millionaires and stuff. But what they do bring is someone who is, you know, crawled in the dirt, you know, in Baghdad, Iraq, and, and been shot at and been mortared. And, you know, you, you mentioned Ryan. He's, he's one of those folks. I, I love him. I mean, I... I could tell he was in the military, you know, from, I was in Bermuda at this incredible wedding. Um, and, and, you know, I remember being there and, you know, I was working out in the morning, you know, I ran a little bit, was swimming. And here's this beast of a guy who's like, you know, <laughs> six foot two, like 210 pounds. He's running like a five minute mile and something. I remember being like, and I thought I was like, you know, 190 feeling great. I still got a four pack at age 40 at that point. And I was like, damn, like this guy's a beast. So then I found out, you know, he's in the Army Rangers and, you know, maybe second guy. So, you know, we hit it off and, and, and maybe polished a couple cases of adult beverages together. So. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. I, I always wonder about this because you mentioned Eisenhower um, and it seemed, you know, post-World War II, you have, you know, Truman and Eisenhower right away, right? So, you know, army generals who become, you know, uh, national leaders. Uh, and they seem to have, at various points, and you, you could sort of quibble with specific actions that they've done, but they seem to have a clearer-eyed view of what war is and what war means and it entails. And they didn't have, they didn't have this sort of mystique of the glory 
uh, of just going to war that it's going to be this, you know, it, we're going to be met with maybe met by flowers and stuff. But 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 also they they sort of understood in a very real way going through, you know, once Nazi occupied Europe, what war looked like. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the veteran perspective, particularly on, say, armed services or uh, dealing with foreign affairs is a kind of necessary perspective because they bring that very different angle of what, you know, actual, the, the military machine, once it's unleashed, actually means? Yeah, yes, they, they do. I mean, again, they have first-hand experience. They also, like, I mean, I had a member of Congress once that said to me, hey, Patrick, I, I really want to vote against this blank check for the Iraq war, uh, which we all knew was a strategic blunder, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and she said to me, I want to vote against it, but I can't because I can't, uh, I don't have a bronze star like you do. And I was like, you know, I was kind of like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a sad indictment that that's, you know, you felt like, you know, I, I don't stand behind that. And like, it's just, you know, it, I, I felt bad for her. Like, I was like, man, right. like, you know, and it, it'd be like me, like not voting for something. because I'm like, well, I can't vote for healthcare or, you know, I'm, I'm pro-choice. Like, oh, well. You know, I, I'm I'm pro-life because I believe in, like that I'm not a woman, so I can't tell you. You know, I can tell you how to vote on your own body. Like, no, it's like you have a privacy interest. Like, I, like you have to have empathy, and and uh, and you know, you represent seven hundred thousand folks. You know, as a member of Congress. So, um, but it, it's funny you mentioned Truman and Eisenhower because they're two of my favorites, and, and let me just tell you why. The military has been a change agent. Uh, in American history. So again, the army established before we even had a country, 1775, in the great city of Philadelphia before July 4th, 1776. Uh, by the way, the Marine Corps, Army, and Navy all found it in the great city of brotherly love in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, but um, you look at when you come back uh, at the World War II, 16 million GIs come back, half go to college under the GI Bill. So democratizing education in higher ed in America happened. Half the veterans uh, went into small business and created global iconic brands like Walmart, Sam Walton, Army officer, like Nike, Phil Knight, Bill Bowerman, Army officers, like uh, FedEx after Vietnam, uh, this generation, GoDaddy, uh, Comcast, largest media company in the world, started by a veteran. Um, But when you had Truman, Truman, again, agent of social change, the military, says, hey, we all wear green in, in, in my military as the commander-in-chief, and I'm not going to segregate black soldiers from white soldiers. Half the country was still segregated. But he's like, no, you serve your country. You know, we, we're desegregating the military. There was generals that resigned because they, they, they were against that. I mean, that was radical at the time. Uh, and then you had Eisenhower as president who invested in uh, the interstate system, which cost a lot of money, but he's like, we got to do it. We have to have infrastructure. I did it and it really paved the way for the incredible expansion of the middle class in America. You know, you, then you look at, you know, my generation, the post 9-11 generation, you know, when we fought so hard to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell in Congress, you know, again, I'm a straight Irish Catholic guy with two kids. You know, I look at it, you know, I, I saw guys and gals that were great military leaders get thrown out. Over 13,000 troops got thrown out just because of who they loved at home. It was bullshit. And I was like, so I remember we got it through the House. It was the Murphy Amendment. We got it in the Senate. President Obama signed it into law. 
but that don't ask, don't tell repeal of that, which basically said, you can love, you can be gay, but you can't tell anybody you're gay. Right. Like, it was right. bullshit, right? So, uh, but if someone finds out that you're gay, then it's an automatic chapter and you're going to throw you out. It's like, okay. So you're throwing out fighter pilots, infantry officers, Arabic speakers. I'm like, brilliant, Congress. Like, brilliant, <laughs> right? So I fought like hell to, to repeal. We, we got it done. But that ushered in marriage equality. You know, you read the Supreme Court Justice, Justice Kennedy's opinion saying, listen, we have to repeal the Nights Hotel, we have troops. You know, if they go back home to Mississippi, you know, you gotta, the, Mississippi has to honor their marriage equality. It has to matter, their, you know, they have a constitutional right. So at any rate, uh, I'm proud about that. I always am like, okay, well, what's the next agent of social change? What's the next thing? And, and I do think mental health is incredibly important. And I think, because the military is perceived and, and it is true, they're just an incredible uh, organization uh, of great Americans who are willing to put their asses on the line. Uh, they write a blank check to Uncle Sam that he could check it, you know, cash in. Um, but I think that military as this, you know, agent of social change, that, that mental health is just important as physical health is the kind of the next frontier of, of what will show the rest of America at a time when people are really struggling during COVID. Great. Um, so I had a question kind of changing subjects a little bit um, about the contemporary protests going on right now. And so one thing that I find to be troubling is, um, so in both Kenosha and in Portland, there've been, I'll just in broad stroke talking left-wing versus right-wing protesters. I know there's a lot of debate, uh, inner debate between those two groups, but we'll draw a line. So the left-wing protests, protests have been met by law enforcement, um, at least from my eye, looking at media reports and so on, um, with a high degree of brutality, right? So that there's rubber bullets, um, you know, concussion grenades and all sorts of stuff. And, and tear gas, of course, is uh, ubiquitous um, in putting down people who are, say, uh, occupying streets when they, sh they don't have a permit or they're staying out after curfews and so on. And they're met with, I think, sort of overwhelming force and too much force. Um, recently, we know that the right wing protesters have come in and they've come in heavily armed, um, shooting pellets from the back of their flatbed trucks, uh, shooting bear spray at uh, the people that they oppose. And the police have stood down and not done anything. Um, in some cases, there's been some reports of, you know, open sympathy between these groups and, the, and law enforcement. And I'm wondering, you know, the role of guns here that that should one be allowed to bring an AR-15 into a city uh, for a protest and what that because I'm, I'm what I'm also worried about is what the, the message the police are sending, you know, maybe unconsciously that, look, we're not going to bother the right wing protesters, even if it's not ideological sympathy, but the manpower and firepower needed to put those guys down is is going to be insane and it's going to be a battle. What the the unconscious logic, perhaps, of that is that, hey, if you come to a protest heavily armed, the police is not going to mess with you. <laughs> right. So just just come armed and you're good. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what your views are as a politician or and, and somebody who's interested career military and then also 
Um, you have a position on guns. I, I probably am slightly to the left of your position on guns, but I'm wondering in this context, what your, what your view would be. Well, listen, I stand, I stand with, uh, I always stand and support the U.S. Constitution, and the Second right. Amendment does give individuals a right to bear arms and for a well-regulated militia. Uh, but I've stood also uh, with the Fraternal Order of Police. My dad's career law enforcement. I was a federal prosecutor. Uh, that weapons of war do not belong in our streets, and that's why I have an F from the NRA. You know, and you know, and uh, and they want folks to be extreme. Again, I, I support. I'm a gun owner. Uh, I have a concealed carry permit and I don't usually take it out, but like uh, I, I do have one. Uh, but uh, I think if you want to have a weapon award, an AR-15, an M4, M16, whatever, um, that there is should be more uh, stringent uh, requirements and regulations on you, meaning you have to have a gun safe. You cannot be hanging it. You can't have it in the trunk of your car. You cannot bring it to protest. Like that is not what the framers thought. Um, and so, and I do think there it has been um, unfortunate that when you look at it from a perspective of in these protests, uh, that some folks have been treated differently. Um, you know, you had a, you had a, I read a report where the, the young gentleman, uh, I would say terrorist who killed two innocent Americans uh, was treated to Burger King. I mean, it, it's like pretty appalling. Um, but uh, the reality of it is uh, you have a country that's in pain. You have someone in the White House who has festered and spread seeds of hatred out there, which are now coming home to roost. And will take more than one, two uh, speeches uh, to, to you know, answer and get people healing again. But, you know, we had instances of African-Americans uh, being killed. Um, uh, sometimes by police, sometimes by terrorists in that church in South Carolina, uh, or um, you know what happened in Ferguson. But you had a president at the time, and President Obama, uh, and an attorney general who was calming and soothing, and was basically like, "Hey, we're gonna get to the bottom of this. We're hold people accountable, but let's all come together as Americans." Uh, and I remember him giving the eulogy at, at that church in South right. Carolina, where he sang right. "Amazing Grace." Um, that was not planned. I mean, that's just the kind of leader. I mean, that's why I supported him for president. Again, I didn't know he was going to win, but I was like, I hope he wins. I'm going to fight like hell to make sure he wins. Uh, and I'm going to be proud that I, in this time in history, I came out for him. Um, and now when we see what's going on, um, yes, we have an election in 61 days, but we don't necessarily, you know, if Joe Biden is lucky enough to be our next president, and I hope he is, and I'm working like hell to make sure he is, we are not guaranteed that on day two, we could all sleep in and everything is right. fine. I mean, it's going to take uh, a while for us to, to bring Americans together and to put our country first and make this a more perfect union, which is what we're all called to do. Yeah. Um, it's, I think you're exactly right that, you know, yes, we hope Biden wins. Um, and then there's a lot of work to be done <laughs> in terms of uh, a, a reunion of, of sorts. Um, the The thing that, that sort of sticks with me and bugs me is that the, the police forces in these two towns that I've identified of, of Kenosha and, and Portland, where this violence is unfolding, um, 
it, they seem they it, it seems very rigged, <laughs> right? Right. It seems that that, um, and and it's not to say that you know yes, there's 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 violence coming from the left wing as well, um, but it's mostly property violence, quite frankly, um, and and they're not nearly as heavily armed um, as I mean, not it's not even close. Um, so I'm just wondering what the the step forward will be for people who we are supposed to trust to enforce the laws um, will be in in extinguishing this fire that you've rightly said that Trump has stoked for for the past four years. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you do you have like do you have like an idea of like, OK, the cops should be doing this or they should do that or. Well, no, this is, listen, it's multifold. You have a president that basically disparaged the FBI and law enforcement. And military right. leaders like, you know, General James Mattis and, and others, and fired them at will because they stood up for the Constitution. I mean, again, you have a Secretary of Defense in General James Mattis who came out and said, "Hey, we cannot turn our back on our allies in Syria and and yeah, especially with the Kurds." Right. The president disagreed with him, so he fired him. And then so he and there, and he's not trying to score political points. He's not James Mattis is not writing a book that he's trying to sell. He says. President Trump is a threat to the U.S. Constitution. This is someone who served in the top cabinet position for this president. Um, and he fires chief of staff, General John Kelly. I mean, he stands behind the, the troops when it's politically convenient. And uh, and when it comes to law enforcement, same thing. He stands in front of law enforcement when it's politically convenient. The reality of it is these riots are happening under his watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I look at it like, you know, it's it's really distressing as an America, as an American who sees our country being torn apart and not even folks in political leadership trying to bring it together. And, you know, the next 61 days, it's political season, so there will be some more division. Uh, I look at my street, the Biden signs aren't out yet, so there's more Trump signs. And, you know, I was at the Jersey Shore, I went to Wildwood, and there's Trump boat parades, and like I get it, right? And I'm walking on the Wildwood Boardwalk, and there's Trump T-shirts, and there's not Biden T-shirts, right? So, you know, there's a lot of work for Democrats to do. They think, oh well, Trump's horrible. Well, because half the market doesn't think so. So you better like start working and telling them, like, walking them through about. You realize that it's under his watch after these protests, and and he can't quell them because he's not a unifier. You do realize that. You know, he's locked up kids in cages. You do realize that he took a federal deficit and debt, a debt of $19 trillion a year to $26 trillion a year. So, you know, my two kids, Maggie Murphy and Jack, owe $82,000 each of them to our national debt. That the deficits are never been this high in yearly spending. I mean, and again, we're not talking about COVID. We're talking about tax breaks for the wealthiest 1% of America. Like, there are some fundamental things that we got to change um, and we got to work on. Uh, but that unifying aspect that brings us together, uh, we're not going to see it in the next 60 days. Uh, it will not be authentic if we do see it. Uh, but that's another reason why uh, I'm so hopeful for uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. Right. Okay. So, Tony, should we move to uh, party favors now? Are, yeah, let's are do you it. Ready for that? Okay. Okay. Let's do that.
So you want to explain to Patrick what, what, yeah, what we're doing really here? simple. Yeah. Um, we do this little fun bit for anybody that's listening um, that maybe is in politics. This is a little different because you directly were and kind of indirectly still are. So we're actually going to be speaking directly to Leave it to Patrick, actually, just do it all. Um, well, you can rebut us. Um, we we give a we give a um, democratic advice, and then we reluctantly do the other side, um, which is slightly demented that we need to like put our brain into that kind of thinking, and it's challenging and fun and weird, and we kind of hate it, and maybe we won't do it some sometime. But we're going to today. Um, so we let's start with the Dems. Amit, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first. You go okay. First. I'm going to kind of go off one I've been saying for a while. I've, it's it's kind of two. Um, I think that the strategy of keeping by, letting Trump kind of dig his own grave worked to an extent. Um, I do think it's time we need to start seeing Biden more. Um, you know everything that's going on right now, it's like, I, I want, I'll, I'll once a day see like a very produced speech. And I don't think that's what people want right now. Um, if you saw how AOC got big and Bernie and a lot of these people, you saw Elizabeth Warren adapting on her Instagram. It's, it's the Instagram live. I'm at home with my wife having a beer, whatever. And I think people need to feel like Joe Biden is the comforting grandpa because we we get we can't we can't shy away from the fact that he's old and you know there's insecurities about where he is mentally i i don't necessarily read into any of that but um it's easy to um but if he were to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit and just let us in i think it would humanize him where people would go cuz I, cuz i i've always said i think joe biden's a good guy I don't think anybody could say, I think he's a bad person. You know, you may not agree with everything he's done politically or his record, but for a guy who's been in politics that long, it's pretty good. Um, and, and I think that's what we need to, we need to like get rid of the Obama's vice president thing, which is going to work for a lot. Anybody that, that loves Obama is still voting for Biden, right? So you're not getting people back. I think we need to fall in love with Biden and not Biden, the vice president. And I think the way to do that is to let's take a little bit of the script away and just maybe get one of these interns or somebody in there shooting a live video where he's doing whatever the hell he does at his house, making coffee in the morning. I don't give a damn, but I just want to see him talking to the people live and just saying, this guy's an idiot. Like I'm Joe Biden. Like I, I, it's going to get worse if he wins. I'm, you know, and just make it, where it's more real and less uh, you take away the assumption of, is he crazy? Is he have dementia? Is it, you know, because right now it's e very easy to, to push that narrative when we're not really seeing uh, authenticity. Uh, I agree with you. Although I, I'll tell you that my favorite, he just gave a speech yesterday in Pittsburgh and gave some pizza that I saw uh, that. That, was good. Years, that was good. Right. But, but about two weeks ago before he picked uh, Kamala Harris to be his running mate, um, Fox News was outside of his house with a camera and he's going out and he's going bike riding and he goes hey do you have an announcement and, he, and he's like yes and he goes who's it going to be and he says you like you know he's joking to the guy but like and he's on his bike so you, I mean, you, you know they're busting shots about being Sleepy Joe and here this, this guy's on his bike you know getting after it like that's what people want to see to your point uh, and that you know that's why like most of my <laughs> most of my Twitter and Instagram it's about like you know, Philadelphia sports, the Eagles, the Phillies, you know, sure. I'm like, you know, no, oh, yeah. I, 
you know, I just did a video for President Biden. And on the humanizing thing. It's like it's like you. Bernie playing basketball. Remember he played basketball and everyone was like, oh, my God, he's pretty good at basketball. Like <laughs> yeah. that right. thing is still shared. Like he's right. just playing basketball in the gym. Yeah. So I think on the um, humanizing thing, I think when he talks about his son, Bo, who they were so close, he was a friend of mine. So I get a little choked up thinking about it. But like, you know, he's an army officer, combat veteran. We both ran uh, for office. I was for Congress. He was running for attorney general the same year in the fluffy markets so our commercials are on. And, um, and, you know, and he, uh, you know, he passed him from brain cancer and, uh, but, you know, both of his sons served in the military mm -hmm. and, you know, Dr. Joe Biden, his wife and Michelle Obama, he started joining forces, which then president Trump shut down. Like, they did so much for our military veterans and their families. And so just seeing that and feeling that I think is important. I will tell you that they do it for because that's what's in their heart and that's who they are as people. Mm -hmm. um, but you're seeing it resonate in the veterans community. So like Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton by roughly almost 20 points four years ago. Uh, Paul yesterday says that Donald Trump, that Donald Trump is getting beat by Joe Biden by six points as of yesterday. Uh, again, that's the Syracuse Military Times poll, over a thousand folks. And again, I don't believe all the polls, but I, I'm a student of, of political science and, and they're often accurate or at least gives you a snapshot of a time. Mm -hmm. And I think you see that with a lot of military families. We, we don't like to be used as props. We don't like when you say that we're great, wonderful, and then you fire you know, two of our generals in your administration, actually three generals that he fired. So, cause HR McMaster got let go too. You know, it just, it just like, you know, it's like, and again, if it's for the right reason, it's different, but just because yes, uh, they stood up for, you know, what was right. Uh, you know, and they saw what happened with, you know, when they had a Colonel, like uh, Colonel Vindman who saw something wrong in the National Security Council, stood up, did what he's supposed to do, said, hey, listen, I don't think we should be making this deal with this foreign country. Like we can't be put in conditions and it's wrong. And uh, it started an investigation and that guy had to leave now the military. He's a West Point graduate, great American combat veteran, but now he's no longer in our military because the commander-in-chief pushed him out uh, and his family felt under siege from right-wing folks. And I think that's a sad indictment sometimes. And I think people need to do a better job at like, if you're a Democrat, you should watch Fox News. And if you're a Republican, you should watch MSNBC just to get a taste and realize that, you know, sometimes you're not going to get the facts always right on either one of those channels. Like it's probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, before you jump in, just a quick follow yeah. up. I agree yeah. with you. And I think there is still some time, but when, when you've lost your whole family in a car accident, you've lost your son who was a war hero. You get to use that. Like you get to use that. You get to talk about that. And, and I think, you know, going forward for people like you and people that are helping to, to elect him, Everything you just said, you can't you can't be this hypocrite. You can't be this American patriot, Trump, blah, 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 and then turn a blind eye to all of the military uh, men and women Trump has fired. And these these are predominantly that he's fired in the White House. These are men who have a pretty fucking good record. Um, and I haven't seen any of it anywhere. I mean, this is the first time we're talking about Mattis and Kelly. It's like that, the, that, and I'm sure they're not going to jump on stage because that's just not their character. But 
this is our job. This is the DNC's job is to remind the country of all of these heroes Trump has just gotten rid of and then pretends he's this big military guy. It's it's a bunch of bullshit. And, you know, th that's the message I would start hitting these next 60 some days. Yeah. Right. Comment? Yeah, I would say that um, I totally agree with um, obviously Trump is like you look up hypocrisy and his it's his mug. Right. And that, that that's that's him as, as a person. Um, but to the, the question of basically presence, right, that Joe Biden needs more sort of a public facing presence. Um, it's I think it's really important just because even the appearance of silence, a space of silence allows for all sorts of speculation. Right. And then you lose the narrative, right, that other people are talking about what's going on in your campaign and where you are, man, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, so that he needs to sort of take the mic or his people, you know, that this is I've talked about this before, that he needs to have an army of proxies uh, out there really pushing his message and talking about him and why he is the superior candidate. And isn't it obvious for, you know, here's a list of 10 reasons just and I'm just getting started, that sort of thing. Um, now, in terms of my party favor, it's more policy uh, oriented. What I started reading about the past few days is that the evictions are coming. Um, and this is going to be a national crisis. Uh, I've already read that, like so many things, um, it's single black mothers who are going to be the most affected by this and are already being the most affected by this. And it's going to metastasize to cover all demographic groups, really. Um, and so since Congress, uh, they're basically um, amnesty on 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 rent payments is expiring. Um, there needs to be a plan, a, a, ve a very robust plan that is shouted from the mountaintops by the Biden campaign about how people are not going to become homeless. Right. I mean, because if that doesn't happen in the offing is a mass homelessness crisis in this country. There's already a homelessness crisis in the country. It's going to be terrible. Um, so I would just say that uh, in terms of policy, that sh that's very real. That hits everybody, right? That's the roof over your head and you cannot pay your mortgage, your rent, whatever it may be. That is the realest thing that cuts across, you know, the humanity that is the American citizenry, right? So, um, I, I would say that. Can I ask you a question? Though? I'm not trying to. Yeah, please. If you if you have you have a second home that you rent out to somebody, they don't pay rent for six months, and there's you can't throw them out, right? As a and and the government's not saying you know hey they told you for six months since March you can't throw them out. Now it's September. You know, rent's due October first. You know what do you do? Is it because you're still on the hook for that mortgage that you're paying? another house or whatever right right i mean i think like, it has to, I, what, I really think i i really think you we have to hit pause right now i mean that's that's and, On and the mortgage can, and the rent yeah so, i mean i mean that 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 the so the, who hits pause though i, I again, i'm not i'm not arguing yeah i'm asking you like, yeah yeah so is yeah. it the government tells you you have to eat it i i don't think the i don't think it's that the the guy i think the government needs to step in and and back this right and fund this you know funding you know, if, if anything, you know, there's all sorts of political theory about why we have government, right? And if the, the basic social protections and the physical protection coming from shelter, <laughs> right? Um, if that's not in the wheelhouse of the government, I don't, I don't, I don't know what is. Um, so I would say that um, 
either two, there's two routes, right? And, and you, I'm sure you know much more about this of, of, of funding mechanisms than me, but, but two routes I would say is that one is that there is a, a sort of pause on rents, right? Whether, whether you're a, the landlord and you have to pay, you know, multiple rents and, and or mortgages uh, rather, um, or the, the renter, right? That, that has to happen because this is a national crisis, right? Um, the, because the flip side of that is five tens of millions of homeless Americans. Um, so, but yeah, please, I, I would yeah. tell you, like, I've always, cause I'm a, I'm a fiscal hawk. Right. So I, yep. I and my advice to the Democratic party is like, we budget some moral documents. You should care yeah, where the right. money goes. Right. So I'm glad that they had two bills that passed for tax relief and you know, the PPP loans, all that stuff. Like I'm happy. Right. But a lot of that money did not translate down. And I'm I'm all about right. that. Like for me, yeah. like I'm always looking at what's the overhead? What are we doing? Like, cause I want the money to go down to the people. And so, and what other people is that single mom uh, with kids and needs to stay there, which absolutely is the case, but also someone who's like, hey, listen, I own an apartment complex. It's my full-time job. I have four apartments and, you know, I can't pay my rent because they can't pay their rent. Like, like you know, there's gotta be, right where the road meets the road and you have to show it's not lottie dottie everybody. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm in pain. Can you help me out government? Mm -hmm. Yes. But you got to show the pain. You know, yeah. I don't want to see the Los Angeles Lakers are getting a, like a PPP <laughs> loan. Like, you know, that that's infuriating and frankly, yeah. un-American. Yeah. 100% agree with that. Right. So, so that, um, my, my worry, and of course, you know, again, I'm sure you know much more about this is that is, Showing the pain. What is the bar of suffering that that is um, that we sort of quantify, right? Um, so, so certainly, um, I think one of the things that there's going to get a lot of pushback on this is I think most people, commonsensically, like what you just described, like yeah, completely, right? Obviously, those people need help, and the government should step in to address it, right? Um, the where the pushback from my eyes, where it's going to come from, are going to be people who invested in mortgage-backed securities, right? <laughs> so that it's not really going to be about real pain, right? Real social pain of losing a house, but it's going to be the financial pain of lo losing some percentages on stocks you've invested in that have been bundled into various tranches or whatever, right? So that's going to be um, where... Uh, they, and they have very loud voices, <laughs> right? So that's what I'm sort of, I think that's where the fight will come from, even if there is the movement for, because I don't think anybody, it'll be political suicide to say, to, you know, to your example of somebody who owns four apartments and, you know, they're doing the uh, upkeep and all that, and that's what they do. You know, they're not some great landlord who's, you know, lording it over, you know, millions and tens of millions of dollars each year. That's, that's what they do. Uh, it's their job. Um, it's much more the case of the forces that be that will prevent even the intervention of the government um, to intervene in what I think is going to be a moral crisis, right? That that it's and it's already I think is for some people, right? It's it's unfolding unevenly, um, but but. Um, well, can I just mention something? Yeah. Because what, sure. I, I will tell you, like, I was a big proponent of what's called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. So yes, it was one yes. Big deal, right? Uh, I support it. it. Was that was one of the most lobbyist 
lobbied against bills in right. history. And of course, I was on board. And, you know, again, I'm only the third Democrat in Bucks County. I mean, I took it in the chin, but I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not a, like, I played college hockey. I was in the army in combat. Like, I'm not afraid to get hurt. If you get, if you're afraid to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. Like, do what's right, period. Right. So it's like, um, I mean, you could tell like, I was like a three year captain in the college hockey team. I led the team in penalties and points. But I will say, like, that's exactly when I look at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which has helped student loan borrowers, which is right. another major problem that has helped people from getting scammed, the payday loans, and and they're uniquely qualified to step in and help and help relieve some serious problems out there. That has been rolled back. Right. You know, you had uh, Mick Mulvaney who who ran, who was chief of staff, and that job, and again. They were in the in the pockets of the corporations. They weren't. They were trying to make it harder for people. Like, you know, I, I was proud to stand there with General Petraeus' wife, Holly Petraeus. You know, she was leading the fight against you know was predators that would be right outside of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. You know, preying on you know our soldiers and their families, and saying and and by the way, how it works there is you know under the UCMJ, and I'm sure Ryan's talking about this. You know, you can't have debts. Like, so if I'm Sergeant Murphy. Paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne Division, and I go get myself a new car. I maybe shouldn't have afforded it, or whatever, but whatever, I get it. If I don't pay my debts, they can go to my commander and they can make the commander pay, make take it out of your pay. Like that's where they and 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 those folks know. Like if I'm a private first class, I'm making twenty two thousand dollars a year. I cannot afford a twenty five thousand dollar car. Like they know that they trust try and sell them, and I'm selling them all the time. And oh no, you can afford it. Don't worry about it. It's like. They have other bills they have to pay too, you know. Like, so um, now again, they're willing to. I'm not trying to say private first class. If you go buy a new car, go ahead. Like, it's America's freedom. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not communist, you know. But like at the same time, they do things that really, you know. And again, before, you know, people forget before Obama, you know, they could lie to you about like, oh, well, the repayment's this or that. They didn't have to show you up front exactly what the payment's going to be. Was there a balloon payment at the end? You know, before, you know, if you had a pre-existing condition, like being a woman was a pre-existing condition. Like, you know, we're getting used to how it is. Like, th- that, that's wrong. Like, right. And, and so, you know, all those things are trying to roll back. Uh, hopefully, uh, we could put back in place some of which they were successful in. Others, hopefully... We can't, but again, on the point of like Joe Biden, like can I go back to this real quick? Yeah. You know, Joe Biden, like I'm all about, like I want to wean ourselves off our dependence on foreign oil. Like I want America to be like independent, right? So I have solar panels in my house. Like, like I, I believe in that. I believe, but I'm like the all of the above approach, right? So, you know, I support nuclear energy if it's safe and all that other stuff, right? But also like Joe Biden came out yesterday because, you know, Pennsylvania's in play. I mean, you mentioned it in the beginning, like it's a battleground state. Trump won it four years ago. It's in play. If Joe Biden loses Pennsylvania, he will not be elected. Like we will have Donald Trump again. So which you had Laura Trump here yesterday. Uh, that's Eric's wife. You had uh, Trump's coming in again a little bit, and you had Joe Biden. Well, what are they saying? They're saying things like, oh, Joe Biden, he's for funding the police. Not true. Joe Biden, he's for fracking, which you know, fracking is a big deal in Western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you say, I'm not for new fracking on foreign land. Like I'm not for foreign lands, but I'm not for any you know new frack. I'm not against fracking. Like you had to say it, but like you know you got to remind people like what what you stand for. And, and so for Joe Biden, and I think that's why 
it's so hard for President Trump to attack Biden because he is a good guy and he is thoughtful. He's not perfect. He's made mistakes. But, you know, trying to criticize that he's not been for law and order uh, in America and not for police is, is unbelievably wrong and a miscarriage of the truth. Yeah. Okay, so are we going to do the Republicans? Just real quick. Yeah, my, <laughs> mine is mine's really easy. And it's right, uh, ahead, you know, I did ahead, it about a month ago. You got how many days of election? 60-some days to the election? 61, I think. 61. Where is this group of Republicans I keep screaming at that are going to get together and re- retake over the Republican Party? I mean, this is the party of Lincoln, and you're letting this guy destroy the party. It's like, even if Trump wins that will have major consequences on the future of the party, right? We know that because four years from now, it's going to be way worse than it is right now for people. And and all those people are going to need a home and they're going to leave that party. To your point, if you're not afraid to lose an election by doing the right thing, where's where's this group of, of um, policymakers? Where's the Paul Ryans, the Mitt Romneys? Where's the big group getting together and saying, we are retaking over this party, what you're doing? That doesn't mean vote for Biden. I don't care if they endorse Biden or not. It's just coming out and saying, this guy's not a Republican. He ran on that. That's maybe why he won. But let's stop pretending he's a Republican because what he's doing with that party that gets to claim Lincoln freeing the slaves, winning the civil war. This guy is literally jeopardizing all of that and trying to divide us. Where the hell are those Republicans that are front and center saying, you don't have to vote for me uh, this next time. I don't give a shit, but I'm a Republican. So if you're voting for him, we don't represent the same thing. And that's not an endorsement for Biden. It's more endorsement for the Republican Party. I'm still waiting for that to happen. I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, I I will say to you, um, we want them to vote in November. We do. Uh, number two of the leaders, there are some folks, and, and you have to give credit where credit's due to people like Mitt Romney. Um, you have to give credit to other folks like George Conway, who's married mm-hmm. to Kelly Conway, you know, to folks like the Republicans backing the Lincoln Project. Um, you know, just here in Pennsylvania, you know, we had Charlie Dent, former U.S. Congressman Republican, and Jim Greenwood, former Republican from Bucks County, who came out to vote and endorse a Biden. You know, they said this, we don't agree with Biden on some things, but we sure as hell don't believe uh, in the party of Trump. We're Republicans. We're not part of the party of Trump, to your point. Um, And I think most Republicans, you know, that have a, you know, head on their shoulders, uh, realize that, uh, you know, you you have to, if the the king is naked, you got to tell. And uh, he's been naked for four years and it's been four years too long the American people and, and this, and this world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll, I, and I, I hate doing this part of our show, <laughs> which is giving advice to the Republicans and thinking uh, like they do. But, but um, I think, and I've said this before, I think they're doing what they need to be doing right now, um, which is stoking the fires. Oh, they're Trump, trying to, yeah. Fear. Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump is going to Kenosha. Right. He's he's going and, and is, he, is he going there to put out the fire? Obviously not. Right. He's going there to throw gasoline on this on a very volatile situation that has already caused death. Right. So um, it's it's unfortunate. It's uh, actually could be potentially catastrophic for that community. Um, but um, in terms of political points, 
Um, I think what he's trying to do, and it seems like it's coming into formation from different fragments around the country, is a very powerful backlash to these protests, the protest movement over the summer, right? It's, it's, it's coming into formation. Um, and that's what he's hoping for, right? Mm -hmm. That he's hoping to pull people, all his coded language about the suburbs and so on and that, that sort of thing. Um, the stoking of fear and which with a heavy dose of coded racism, um, and sometimes uncoded, um, he's doing what he needs to do, right? That that's, that's his base and he's growing from there. Um, it worked one time ago, and that's why um, I'm totally in agreement with what Tony said earlier and what you what you um, uh, underline as well, Patrick, that Joe Biden needs to be out there. Right. I want to see his I want to get sick of his face. Right. <laughs> that That's 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 where we need to be at. Yeah, I would say to you a couple of things. One, uh, to Tony's point earlier, you know, it's one thing to be anti-Trump and you can talk about why you should be fired. But you also talk about why you should be hired as well. So as far as Republicans, right, they're, they're going to, they did it back against Michael Dukakis, the law and order, the Willie Horton ads, yeah. right? I'm a student of history and I look at, uh, you know, I look at this and they just hired, they just raised $25 uh, million, Sheldon Allison and others, and hired a guy who ran Swift Boat Veterans for Truth that attacked John Kerry, who actually served in combat and mm -hmm was somehow attacked on that service, which is still, um, I mean, I, I could tell you worse stories from that. That was my first campaign ever. I, I took it to them, but, um, and they tried to do that crap to me and that, that wasn't happening. Um, um, I got my Irish up to, to say, uh, you gotta see, I mean, and, and again, he's got to, I think Joe Biden will punch back. I think that's why he heard what he said yesterday in Pittsburgh. He's got to continue to do it. Uh, subliminally we got to talk about we could talk about covid but about what we would do differently a little bit um especially with schools not opening slash opening and what needs to be done i mean i'm for mask uh when you're inside and so like that or if you're not gonna be able to be outside and not socially distant uh but how we're gonna fix these kids i mean you know uh there's a problem out there and again it, are, it is a single moms that are raising kids or single parents uh, that don't have childcare, mm -hmm. uh, and Brutal. they're expected to be back to work now in September. And it's like, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more work to do. And, and again, it's so new, global pandemic, but we got to be ready uh, and be clear on on what we're what we're pushing for uh, to get this country back safely, but get this economy back in the right direction safely. I agree. I mean, you don't get a second pandemic, right? You had your shot. You were the president. You handled it terribly. Let's get somebody. If any other job in the world, you're fired. It's not even a question. Like, yeah, we can't. We're, we're done. We're paralyzed. We can't do anything. You don't get a second shot at another pandemic or a world catastrophe. Like, you can't handle it. And it, there are countries that handled it much better than us. And that's very embarrassing. Six million Americans with it. 180,000 killed. Um, Unbelievable. All right. Rapid fire. Eagles. What one did, does the NFL get through a season this year? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Do the Eagles hold the Lombardi Trophy up at the end of that season? No. <laughs> Shit. I, um, I'm an Eagles fan. I, me too. I, I, me too. <laughs> okay. There's a chance. There's a chance. Does Carson Wentz make it to the end of the season? Yes. Great. Okay. Sixers. 
are Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both Sixers in two years from now? Yes. And we're going to need a shooting guard. And, and then they're going to win the championship. Probably Beal or, or Buddy Heald or someone. Yeah, they, they need they need some shooters. Uh, a legit guy that could have an outside game. They need a Hershey Hawkins uh, <laughs> or, or the uh, Boston Strangler to come back uh, through that locker room door uh, and join them. Uh, but probably in the form of Bradley, you know, a 6'6 shooting guard yeah, that, yeah. that could play all day and, and handle the ball a little bit. Uh, here's a good question to end it on. What makes the quintessential Philadelphia athlete? You know, we had Jimmy Butler, and I'm watching him last night, and I'm like, how do you let that guy? That guy, to me, embodies. He's not from Philly. He's from Chicago, but you could put him in Philly, and he is a Philly guy. I don't know how we let that guy go. What embodies the quintessential Philadelphia athlete that could be successful there? Uh, one, it's, you know, we do love, you know, people not just have talent, but bring their lunchbox every day and, and have that hard work. I mean, we just, it, we just love the grit. So I would say to you, grit, and there's got to be a healthy, healthy disdain for New York sports teams and, 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 and a football, you know, against Dallas, like, you know, my proudest vote, you know, the reason why I won re-election wasn't because I, you know, had this political courage and voting against the blank check in Iraq and other things. It was because when the Giants won the Super Bowl. And we had this resolution to honor the New York football giants. I voted no in a past one one. So that's why I won my second my second election by fifty five thousand votes. By 50, I was seven points up on Obama. Why? Because I voted against the Giants. You know, um, and there's some Giants fans in, in Bucks County because trends nearby. But I was like, hey, vote for the other guy then. Like, you know, I'm a former Eagle security guard, seven hundred. Like, you know, that was tougher duty than Baghdad, by the way. Like, and I was like, hey. Do we, um, you know, not to put you on the spot, do we think politics is, will you ever get back in or, or are you enjoying the helping out from the outside? Uh, listen, I'm, I, I run two political action committees because I, I, I don't just like say, I'm hey, we're veterans. Like I literally raise a half million dollars every two years. So I do it in a state pack called Kennedy Democrats. Uh, and then I do it in a federal pack called Taking the Hill Pack. Uh, so, uh, you know, and I, you know, I still teach at West Point and I, you know, I'm on the cyber commission, et cetera. So I am still in public service in a small way. I have other companies that I run, et cetera, that, you know, pay my mortgage. But uh, if the president, next president or someone asked me to serve, uh, and, you know, in a significant capacity, of course, I would go back and book up public service. Will I run for a campaign again? I'm good at it. We'll see. But, you know, I have kids that, Campaigns are tough on kids. So, like, you know, my daughter Maggie was just born three weeks after my first campaign. But my my reelection and and years later, she's like, "Daddy, you're on TV," and I'd be like, "Yeah." And it's like the black and white photo, like Patrick Murphy. Yeah, Patrick you know. Murphy voted yes. against this. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, and of course, like she's watching. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, trying to smile because she has no idea she's so sweet. But I'm like, yeah, like you know. But I like, you know, I, I've trained her. Like, and by the way, I've trained her in good ways. Like, right. you know, she came back one day and she does not like the current congressman and she used the word hate. And I said, Maggie, like, we don't hate people. Like, we could disagree with people, but like, no, like, I respect him. Like, he lost his, our current congressman lost his brother. I said, I wanted to, to wake. Like, you went with me. Like, we pay respects. I disagree with his policies. I disagree that he's an FBI agent. Sees his president and isn't willing to stand up to someone in his own party uh, as they attack the FBI, et cetera. And I'm like, 
and I don't have respect for, for that. Um, and I think he has to live with that the rest of his life. Uh, but I was like, I don't hate him. Um, I will work to beat him and we will beat him, but do not hate him. Um, uh, so I, I think there's a difference and I think everybody has a responsibility to, to take down the temperature, uh, especially after the elections are over. Um, just be like, hey, what can we do to move the ball forward? Um, you know, it's funny when you were saying about advice, because I do give advice, and, I, and it's what I tell people. And when you have future guests, I'm going to give you advice. Someone that worked for NBC and I'm on a TV show. Ask people if they're a Democrat, what do they disagree with their party for? And ask Republicans what they do. Because I know for me, when, when people, you know, you know, one, like, why are you running? Like, the simple question that you should know. But like, okay, well, what name something they disagree with your party on? And for me as a Democrat, it's like, all right, well, I'm not for raising taxes. Like, I think we should have balance for the balanced budget amendment. Like, and for me, it's simple. It's a national security issue. If you keep adding to the debt, you're borrowing from China. Like, it, it's not good. So, like, having that thing. And again, I don't, I'm not like a crazy, like, you know, balanced budget. Like, you know, if there's certain expenditures you have to use. Like, I just talked about, like, you know, Eisenhower and, the, you know, building out the interstate system. Incredible for economy. Major investment. Okay, got it. But then you pay it back over the next 10 years, right? Like, but we got to do better uh, as a nation. Uh, as far as Republicans, you know, they have to be consistent. They're for, hey, we're for a limited government. Unless you're a woman about choosing the you know, of your own body. They were for a limited government, except that we want to, you know, rack up these incredible deficits. We're fiscal conservatives when the, when the Democrats are in charge. But when, you know, when it's uh, Trump and we have record, literally record deficit spending, which is increased the debt. Um, and, you know, they say, hey, well, no, we believe in Social Security, but we're not going to pay. We're going to give people, you know, you know, employers don't have to pay payroll taxes, which basically funds Social Security. It's like, come on, dude. Like, um, and it just, it, it does crack me up. I mean, to be honest with you, my last comment is like the people in the world that like were born in third base and they think they hit a triple. It's like, get over yourself. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Like. Specifically Trump's yeah. kids on stage. I just can't do it. Yeah. I just can't do it. Like, you know, I had a comment. But, but half my relatives are like, vote for Trump. And the one's like, well, he doesn't take a salary. I'm like, I get it. He doesn't get the $400,000 a year that he make, right? I'm like, you do realize, like, his daughter signed $82 million worth of intellectual property patents with China while she's working in the White House. Like, $400,000 versus $82 million for my private company that, you know, someone else is running for me, but I own it. Like, come on, man. I know. That's insane. <laughs> well, okay. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. We, um, we thank you for your service. We, um, we're, we're super grateful to have you on, have your insight. Um, you know, we could talk to you all day and hopefully when COVID's over, we, we meet in Philly somewhere with Ryan. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. And listen, I'm proud. I love the Eagles. Like I think their defense is going to be rock solid. Their, their wide receiver core is it's hurt. It's a little hurt. Um, so that's so I, you have to. We got a good coach though, so we'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we'll coach. see. Yeah, the Sixers head coach, by the way, next head coach, big deal. Yeah. Name this morning, Don Staley, the head coach of the University of South Carolina, Temple, won three gold medals for the US, Team USA, coach Team USA women's basketball, coaches the uh, University of South Carolina won some and. CWA championships would be the first woman ever coaching the NBA 
a name that you're going to be hearing about. And, and then your that's future the options. I like that's, that. That's it. Like, you know, and again, like this, I love Jay Wright. I don't think Jay Wright's going to leave Villanova. A couple other retreads out there. Uh, but I already emailed the president of, of South Carolina. He was a superintendent at West Point. His name's Bob Caslin. He has a new book out on character. I, I love the guy. By the way, he's, uh, I think he's probably like 64, mm-hmm. the, the former three star general. Mm-hmm. Literally, like I work out with him. I did a Spartan race with him. He is a beast. Like he puts, he, but he, he's probably in better shape than Ryan. And Ryan is, right. is like, you know, there's like, so, I mean, I was a college hockey player. You know, right. I ran like, a, you know, again, yeah. ran, you know, did 82 pushups, do 92 right. sit-ups, would like run two miles at 11.50. And like guys are like still beating me by over a minute. And these guys are like, you know, 220. Like, I'm like, how, like, oh where God. do you make these? Like, it was the All-American division. I'm like, these guys are like literally All-Americans. I mean, they're like just chiseled from the different <laughs> person. I like that yeah. pick. I like that yeah. pick. If, if, if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to push progress, why not do it in Philly? I mean, that team. Listen, if you have Dawn Staley, who like tells Ben Simmons, like, Ben, shoot a three-pointer or you're not playing. Like, yeah. you know, you have to shoot one a quarter. Like, I love know, it. Like, I'll back that all She's day. tough, man. She's from Philly. Like, she won't yeah. take crap from anybody. So, <laughs> you know, so. I like to pick. I, I guess I'm the officially her ambassador. I've never even met her, but like I'm a, a fan. I'm in. But uh, you know, listen, the Phillies are doing great. Eagles, I think, are right. Uh, the Flyers, you know, I think if they beat the Islanders tonight. I'll be super happy. They're down three one. But hockey, man, it's every game counts. But they have a going Carter Hart that could steal steal that series. Yes, or steal two games. So that would be great. It's not over until it's over. No, so we'll we're, see. We're, we're doing we're doing great in Philly lately. So yeah. Um, well, Evan, Tony, thanks, guys. You know, you yeah, can follow man. me on social media for your folks. It's uh, at Patrick Murphy PA, Facebook, IG, uh, you know, Twitter, all that. So uh, appreciate it. Love to be back on. Let me know, and uh, hopefully we'll get soon. All right, man. Absolutely. Thank you, thanks so much. Bye. See you guys. All right, man. Our first former congressman. Former, yeah, we had a congressman on before who was a sitting congressman, remember, from That's Michigan. Right. Yep. Yeah, but this is our first former, right? Um, and we've got a soon-to-be state senator, yep. right, with Jabari. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're racking up the politicians. I like, I like the Philly politicians, so, more Philly politicians, yeah, you know? Yeah, I know. I miss, I, know. Uh, I miss uh, you know, the, 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 the day and age where, where some politicians just seem normal. <laughs> You know, right. and we, uh, Jabari yeah. and Patrick, they just seem normal. Like I'm not, you know, it's not like talking to a politician and it's like, it might be the local element. I think so. You know? you know, I think it's like when people have national stature, they're also kind of like celebrities. Yeah. So they're all yeah, weird, yeah. you know, vote local you know, so, guys, girls. Yeah. Vote, yeah. You yeah. got to vote local. I mean, these are the people his, he has, he had bills go all the way up and get passed. I mean, this is a, right. a this is a congressman who helped. Um, major LBGTQ rights, and he's, right. he's a congressman. I mean, you don't right. realize like those elections that you don't really think about are so important to actual policy change because those are the people that are walking the streets of your community. So, right, get involved. Yeah, yeah. So that was great. Um, we got to get him back, back on. on. All right, man. Um, no Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by Amit Prakash. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we got a great website. There's t-shirts for sale whose uh, proceeds go to two amazing organizations. So 
uh, let's all start getting involved. Um, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.